Yeah, you have to be a pretty big douche to get in that many fights. <laughs> John Scott is not a douche. No, he's not. No. He fought like a gentleman, <laughs> and I'll hear nothing else. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode 13 of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. This week, the regular crew is joined by Austin Monty from the Bubinji Pioneer. Thanks for joining us, Austin. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we get going, we added two new patrons this week. Thank you to Jay Zukowski and Nick Holmes for signing up at the black level and getting us uh, closer to our monthly recruiting podcast. We're only three away from our goal to start that. If you'd like to join them and help us hit our goal of 20 patrons, please check out patreon.com slash Guide. We also have our first ever gold level patron in Marvin Wilson. He decided to upgrade his account. Thank you, Marvin, for your support. This week we're going to discuss Bemidji State season with Austin, the state of the WCHA, the Winter Carnival Series, Michigan Tech's All-Decade Team. Dustin's got some trivia questions for us to go over. And a preview of the Ferris State Series, plus your questions if we get any before we get to that point. Uh, anything big I'm missing, guys? No, that's a pretty good list. Dustin's not even shaking his head today. He's too busy looking at his phone. All right, let's do the thank you notes <laughs> plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and start with Austin Monteith and the uh, Bemidji State. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so... Let's get started with the Bemidji State season and touch base with Austin here since he was nice enough to join us tonight. So Bemidji's doing a little better than I think a lot of us expected. Even even a month ago, we kind of thought they were a little bit of a paper tiger who hadn't really played anybody and or won the games when they had played anybody, and here they are proving us all wrong over the last month. What are your impressions from up there in Bemidji? Uh, I would say uh, my thoughts are basically along the same lines as yours uh, going into you know, the stretch run here, the last two months or so of the season. Uh, going into uh, mid-January, they had played a pretty weak schedule uh, against other uh, WCHA opponents. They had taken care of their business against uh, some of those lesser foes, but you know, I was just waiting to see how they do you know, when they you know, were up against some of the, the top-tier teams in the conference. And you know, that scoring depth they have has uh, really paid off for them. It, hasn't lined up at all and we've seen the beavers uh you know, really charging head on through uh, the first uh, month of the new year now yeah it's really too bad that they they didn't get better results in non-conference otherwise they probably would be in much better shape right now but they really struggled in that part especially with the way that first or the st cloud state series went yeah they got a four goal uh lead uh in the third period of uh one of those St. Cloud games in the series opener, uh, in the season opener in that series, uh, that one's uh, one they definitely want back and uh, could come back to bite them now, uh, come the end of the season. Same thing with the Minnesota game and the, whatever the tournament is you guys have over there. You flip that and you guys are sitting above 12th and pairwise just playing on the CHN thing. Yeah, that would have been nice if they could have, somebody could have done something in that tournament for our conference. Not that Tech really cares anymore because they're not in shape for anything, but. Hey, I'll cheer for any other WCHA team to get into the conference with the exception of maybe one or get into the tournament. Yeah, no, and you'd feel a lot better about cheering on somebody if it wasn't Northern, right, Rob? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, it's it's been fun seeing how good they've done here, especially 
splitting with Minnesota State, sweeping Bowling Green, that's nothing to, you know, after taking, what, five points from Tech. Like, that's a nice run for any team in this conference. And then you you had the week off. It's a kind of rejuvenate for the stretch run here, and your schedule, you have more Mankato coming up, but that's at the end, right? So you've got Northern this weekend, and then I'll uh, go to Anchorage. So that's not exactly an easy six games down the stretch, but you're solidly second place right now. I guess this weekend will have a lot to do with where that ends up. Yeah, it's going to be uh, you know a tough uh, you know, this last six games for them having to uh, go on the road to Anchorage for one thing. You can't you know take anything for granted with uh, going there. We saw that with uh, Mankato recently, and you know Northern and Mankato. Uh, you know if VSU can split those series, I figure maybe. That would be a bare minimum, but what they want to get out of those series, that they can't afford to get swept for sure at any point, either Northern or Mankato. True. We will definitely see how that goes. That's got to be got to be fun every year to end the year against Minnesota State. That just that's a that's a brutal little scheduling quirk for you guys. Yeah, not everybody gets it as easy as Bowling Green. <laughs> right. <laughs> Getting to play Montsville <laughs> the last weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it works out with uh, the in-state rivalry, the old buildings for, for those last uh, series against Mankato in the mid year. I know Tech likes – I'm sure Tech enjoys playing Northern that last weekend every year too, especially getting to do the home-and-home and, home and knowing that you're going to have senior night that last weekend one night. Yeah, uh, that, is, that is a nice benefit that you, you're guaranteed senior weekend the last weekend with the home-and-home. Home. Yeah, it's not like you have, like, the last two weeks on the road or something and senior night's in the middle of February or something. That is the kind of scheduling quirk this conference would figure out how to do. <laughs> <laughs> what are your impressions of the, the WCHA? And I don't really want to rehash the whole conference realignment stuff since we seem to talk about that every week, but do you have impressions of why – Bemidji wants to go with the other six schools. Uh, I think it's mainly the reasons that have uh, pointed out already: uh, the the travel concerns mainly, and the the financial viability of the Alaska schools, uh, especially. I think uh, it's mainly the same kind of uh, the problems and concerns that the other schools have addressed already. They just want to have a more geographically centralized you no know, conference compared to the way it is the past way it has been the last several years. That yeah, makes sense. And how much fun is it for you as a reporter, I guess editor, but you know, reporting on the hockey team to to get to cover Saratori uh, every week? Yeah, I'm jealous <laughs> of that. That's got to be fun. Yeah, he always has a, a golden quote or two every week for sure. You're always guaranteed to get something uh, good out of Tom. Uh, and both the Saratories are. I had the pleasure of meeting Frank a couple years ago when uh, Air Force is up here. Uh, to play Bemidji and uh you know those two guys I, I would love to just sit and watch a hockey game with them just the whole time you know set up in the suite and just hear them hear what they have to say that those two guys are just priceless <laughs> yeah I gotta imagine a blue line luncheon with those two guys jarring back and forth at each other as brothers with that type of attitude has just gotta be fantastic <laughs> yeah I mean I imagine the chemistry they could do they could probably pull off uh you know, having their own kind of uh coaches show where they have uh, each other just phone in uh, every week uh, i'd have listened to something like that <laughs> yeah i would definitely listen to the saratory hour if it was if it was but already tweaked that'd be on the podcast list for sure do you have any big surprises for you as far as where you thought the wcha standings would be versus where they are now with what four weeks to go three weeks to go uh for over bsu for one i, I picked them to finish uh fourth in the league this season i didn't expect uh the goal scoring to come on as strongly as it has. Uh, this is about the the best you know season offensively the BSU's had in about a decade since uh, their last NCAA tournament appearance. Uh, so that's uh, that's one surprise. Uh, I didn't expect them to be up there in second uh, throughout the most of throughout most of the last two thirds of the season. Now, uh, another surprise to me would be uh, where Fairbanks is still hanging up there in a top four spot. Yeah, I think we both kind of agree on both uh, i think we all kind of agree on both of those that we didn't really expect alaska to be that high or bemidji state to be where they are well did anybody expect bowling green to be down where they are at this point either too i don't think that i think that's kind of unexpected as well i think that's a little bit more of a wild card because you don't really know how the new coach situation plays out sure sure and i think they were in some respects counting on the former tech player gould to be eligible and that didn't happen so they've lost some of maybe their expected offense there 
did they want their defense to get worse? <laughs> <laughs> well, they let him come there, so they knew they were getting that, right? I suppose. <laughs> Dustin wants to know, what's your favorite pizza place in Bemidji? Yeah, I got to know. Dave's or Keith's? <laughs> uh, I go Dave's. I have to go Dave's. Especially with the curling edge, you know, with Pete Fencing and all, being the, being the owner of Dave's Pizza. <laughs> It's right. just, we've, we've just had a difficult experience of actually being able to get there when they're open with being there for hockey the whole time. Although we kind of figured this year would have been the year to go get pizza after the game with the earlier Saturday start time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, it's, it's, I just wish they're open for lunch on Saturday. That would be perfect. Yeah. Or oh, well. late enough for dinner on Saturday. Yeah, one of the two. <laughs> they do have a pretty tight hour. Maybe it has to do with Pete Vincent's curling. Uh, his, his curling uh, duties he has to go to. <laughs> do you get to get out on the road and watch the team when they play elsewhere? No, unfortunately, I don't really uh, travel that much except for when they're uh, playing North Dakota. Now, that's just a two-hour drive uh, down Highway 2, so that's an easy trip to make uh, every season. Uh, I did go to the Mariucci Classic, though, uh, back in December, so that was a uh, Nice getting to have that experience of uh, you know, seeing all the different uh, Minnesota teams there, minus uh, Duluth, of course. So what are your impressions of flow hockey then, since I assume that's how you're following the team when you're not traveling? Uh, I, mean, I mean, occasionally there's uh, the problems with the random commercial break that pops up uh, at inopportune times. Uh, I think this past weekend uh, with watching a women's game, there's I missed the shootout winning goal with the uh, when a commercial popped up uh, when Ohio State beat the BSU <laughs> That sounds about right. Yeah. I actually, Rob, when I was trying to find that video to add to the liner notes last week, there was a segment where I'm pretty sure I hit fast forward, like skip 30 seconds four or eight times, and the whole time it was that let's – here, let's hear some noise or let's get loud oh, graphic man. for uh, Huntsville for the whole <laughs> it was like four minutes of nothing but that graphic because it was during like an official review of a play sure so yeah that it, it's it's those four minute stretches like that that make you so annoyed when it pops up again for 20 seconds or 10 seconds because it like it it was ungodly long how bad that was a couple different times all i know is that if whoever is the person running the new wcha would like a minimum set of video broadcast standards i am more than willing to put in the time to write how a hockey broadcast should look (laughs) and that they all have to be beholden to (laughs) because there are several directors with air quotes around the league that just need to have their hands slapped every time they change cameras yeah from Bemidji, what is your perception of Michigan Tech this season, Austin? Um, I mean, I, I would say they're maybe a little bit down compared to where I would have thought they would have been at this point in the season. Uh, what's what's you guys' uh, you know luck on the team? What's it been lately? <laughs> Do we need to go into that dark, dark hole of the <laughs> last month? <laughs> yeah, it's it's been tough because you know Michigan Tech after the Bemidji series which like so Bowling Green and Bemidji they played back-to-back weekends after winning the GLI and then splitting with Arizona State in Arizona State and then they come out and can't win a game against either of you guys and then we're and and a lot of the tech fans especially in our discord chat were very very negative at that point and I was like look settle down we play Ferris Huntsville Lake State Ferris the next four weeks. Oops. We we've done very well against the bad teams in the conference. There's plenty of games left against them. We just need to win the games in front of us and we should be in control of getting home ice. And then we proceed to split all three of those series. It's been a tough season as a fan because you and and I, we talked about this a little bit last week where we where we were talking about how like you if the best team in the NHL played the worst team in the NHL, you know, you'd be happy if you won six out of eight times, probably, right? So how does that compare to the, like, and we've said it before, like, Huntsville plays eight non-conference games, so that's eight times for the rest of the country to lose to them, but but we all get, as a conference, we play them 28 times. And yes, they've only won once until they beat Tech, but that doesn't mean they can't win any given night. 
and we have you know 28 tries as a league to lose to them and we look really bad because we lose to them a handful of times whereas they win or they lose all of their non-conference games and and the same thing with ferris this year and anchorage like it's not easy to beat those teams it's just that um i don't know you understand what i'm saying like we are tech is now what two uh two four or three seven they're now seven and three against the bottom four in the league yeah i i was i was going to try to refute your nhl best team playing the worst team argument okay um it just so happens i looked and the Red Wings beat the Bruins last night. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it, well, your but point you is well taken. You don't you don't play <laughs> ten times, but yeah, like the bottom, the teams that that are not great in the NHL are still going to beat the best teams every once in a and while. And that's what happened. Yeah, the and it Red literally Wings happened are, yesterday. Red Wings are the worst team in the league, and the Bruins are the best. And I think I saw something where like. I thought I saw something, and it must have been spurred yesterday because they beat the Bruins, where, like, the Red Wings have beaten the Bruins a bunch of times in the last couple of years or something, even though they haven't been very good. Yeah, for the Red Wings years. are awful. Yeah. So, Austin, what what's your favorite place to go eat in Bemidji or near Bemidji? We already did this, our little uh, road trip series when we, we played We like tech, food, so we like food, food questions. Up there. Food questions we used, are good. We used to consider Bemidji, like, our least favorite road trip, and... And now it's kind of my favorite because of all the restaurants and the rink. And well, Hockey Day Minnesota was awesome, but yeah. Oh, that's a tough call. Mm. Have you guys been to Minnesota Nice for like lunch or breakfast? No. It's like a diner. Okay. We'll have they to. have a great, great breakfast stuff like pancakes and omelets and you name it. I mean, you can't go wrong with anything you get there pretty much. So I'd say that's probably my favorite place right. in town. We're going to okay. have to add, that, gonna one have to add that to the list. Yep. All right, I've got a good question here. I think it's a good question. So a few years back, uh, I believe the argument for the Bemidji games moving away from the, the public access TV and to the exclusively to flow was, was a um, attendance. There was a concern that there were people staying home and it was impacting attendance. And then just also the you know wanting to go along with the rest of the league. But I'm just wondering, now this season with... Bemidji looking really good, climbing in the standings or in the the pairwise and and national rankings, um, seemingly weekly going higher and higher. Uh, are the people start, starting to come out and watch this team? Uh, is the attendance improving? Uh, for this most recent home game, I would say uh, that was the case. Uh, Vlad, the previous Saturday before last, uh, I think there had about three thirty one hundred fans at that game, but. Uh, for the most part, I think the attendance has stayed pretty steadily where it was the the last two seasons. Uh, maybe about three thousand fans per game, uh, a little less than that. So after they they ended the the deal with the, the local public access uh, TV station, uh, the attendance went up a little bit, uh, but it hasn't really gone up any more than three thousand fans per game. It, it maybe increased to about three hundred fans. Okay. Well, let's be honest. It it made it more likely that we go, didn't it? Because Bemidji used to be the series where I would stay here and watch because it was on TV. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think I would still go, but it was. I liked it when it was on the on TV because then I could, I would sit and I would watch a Bemidji game, and listen to the Tech game, is what I would normally do. Yeah, and that was. I do nice. miss having the Bemidji game on there because I think it was better quality. Not that. I still think Bemidji's one of the better broadcasts in the yeah, league. The, the, the broadcast that was on the on on TV was a perfectly fine college hockey broadcast. There was nothing wrong with it. It was it was oh, high quality. Public access was great. Yeah, it was great. It was. Yeah. Um, so I was a little disappointed to see that, but I can I can see why they went that direction. I hope hopefully the rest of the year people come out because that that team looks like they're legit and um, people of Bemidji should definitely go check them out so hopefully it improves they definitely seem like what one of the two or three teams that could actually knock off minnesota state and make this a two-bid team or league this year yeah and they've proven that they can knock off minnesota state yeah thanks for joining us austin we appreciate you coming on yeah thanks mike yeah well thanks for having me 
So let's recap the Winter Carnival Series, kind of talk about Michigan Tech. We're going to try and hold this to 20 minutes. Is that what you said? 19 minutes? 20 minutes before editing, so we're going to see. All right. We're going to judge you on your editing skills. (laughs) So it'll end up being a 22-minute segment? No. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot, where'd those extra two minutes come from? (laughs) From us talking over each other and me cleaning it up later. Let's see. So... Winter Carnival started off with a bang. Michigan Tech scored first both nights. I have that right, right? Yeah. I missed the first period because... And it was downhill from there. Yeah, it was downhill from there. And every time Tech... Yeah, so you you scored the first goal five and a half minutes into the first period, then proceed to give up a goal two minutes later, four minutes after that, and two more minutes after that to go down 3-1 after the first. And then they score the first goal of the second period to get back within one. And then proceed to give up two more goals in the second period to fall behind five to two. Then they score the first goal in the third period to get within two. And then give up two more goals in the third period to lose seven three, which basically guaranteed they were not going to win the Winter Carnival Total Goal Series, which is a big deal to Tech. And... You know, despite the fact that the the shots pretty much favored Michigan, well, they, yeah, Tech won every period on shots, 14 to 11 in the first, 16 to 9 in the second, 12 to 10 in the third. I don't know um, scoring chances or anything like that. Joe, Joe did say on the show this week that the Tech had more scoring chances in Lake State on Friday, and Lake State had more scoring chances in Tech on Saturday. But he didn't go into a lot more detail on than numbers. That. Okay. Yeah, that made it in the twenty-two minutes you guys were that, allowed to listen to. Yep, yep. Yeah, it is kind of funny because it did feel like the team that played better lost both nights. Because I do think Lake State played better you know they had more opportunities and i think joe's right that they had more scoring chances than us on saturday but we managed to get the win and somehow played with the lead i thought the worst part of saturday night's game was the whole was it when we went up three two right was that the one no when we went up two one we gave up a goal 15 seconds later to tie it like that you know you can't you have to know that you're pretty much at your most vulnerable on the shift immediately following a goal and you have to keep your game up for that and they didn't like mitch hadn't even announced the goal yet and the puck was in Mm -hmm. the lakers net and rob i think you were on the discord chat with me right for that one yeah it was where somebody complained i I think jay-z complained about something or about that goal but didn't really elaborate and i was like what are you complaining about that was a beautiful play and then it's like oh that goal yeah someone someone called it soft on the discord yeah and i thought he was calling the goal tech scored soft or something about that soft and i was like what are you talking about yeah we hadn't even yet seen it no i don't even know if puck had dropped yet like it was you know we're that far behind because it was that quick so it was it was definitely frustrating to to have that energy sapped out despite the effort that tech put in to keep pushing back and pushing back and then to give up the the goal with 45 seconds left that was crushing and but it was nice to see that they found a way to to get the goal in NCAA overtime to get the full three points i will say the four goals that were scored on saturday night they were pretty goals when we get that rolling it seems to kind of snowball a little bit you get a couple of those pretty goals like that and suddenly we're scoring goals <clears throat> it is kind of odd that the, we finally scored goals. Like I think Dustin, we talked a little bit on the Slack chat about um, offense, right? And you're like, like, because I made a joke about how maybe Robbie Baydoon getting the start on Saturday night after not being played for so long, he could he could take the the goaltending job and basically turn into Packy Munson from two years ago and just ride this team to the playoff championship or something. And he's like, well, you're not going to do that. And like Robbie, no matter how good Robbie is, we need to score. But we scored seven goals on the weekend. So if Tech does that most weekends, they're going to do well if their defense is playing like it has previously. I, I believe my exact quote was Patrick Waugh couldn't go on that kind of run with this offense. But you're right, they did score more this they did score more this weekend. Yeah, they did score seven. And you wonder it 
was it a like I don't know enough about the X's and O's to know the answer to this, but was it a schematic change that opened up the offense that allowed more defense, or was it just mistakes that allowed somewhat easy goals? Because it did seem like you know the Lakers got some bounces because they had a couple goals that were like specifically I know the seventh goal on Friday night was like a shot from the point in the corner that deflected off somebody and went in and it's like you don't normally score from there and it wasn't a I think it went off a tech player it wasn't like it was a uh, an offensive skill where he's just tipping it and that's what he's trying to do and there seemed like there was a couple goals like that this weekend where you just you don't expect to give up that goal and it just kind of happens and I know Joe wasn't happy either wasn't happy with the goaltending or felt he needed to spark the team with, you know, pulling Jerusalem and that created a little bit of drama that I missed. Did you see that, Rob? Was that on the broadcast? No, I Friday was the night I couldn't watch. I was working all Friday night, so I got done with my cutover, looked at my phone and um was very sad. <laughs> yeah. And whatever night oh, it was Saturday night that the the stats were not updating on college hockey news, so I was kind of because I missed I think most of the first period because my daughter and I went to go see Sleeping Beauty in the theater, and that was early enough that when it was done, tech had already started, and I was like, well, that's kind of odd. Like maybe, like I was like, well, I haven't been dinged for a goal yet, so maybe that's a good thing that it's still zero zero. And then I turned the broadcast on as we're leaving, like get in the car and text up one nothing from a goal 45 seconds in and i'm like how come i didn't get dinged and then i it, uh i tweeted out and i think calvin responded to tell me that they were having issues in the rink that it wasn't working with their with that bra or with that stat tracking and then it started working i think in the middle of the second or something so i don't think the weekend went the way we wanted it to but Joe had some interesting things to say about it on the show. I thought, kind of reading between the lines, he didn't call out any players, but you could tell at a few different points that there were some some players on the team that he was not happy with. I I thought that he handled it fairly well on the show by he, not calling anybody out, not you know not making it worse. And not too detailed that it's like obvious to, mm -hmm. I mean with with a lot of research like you said you were when we before we started recording you were kind of looking at the plus minus to see who was out on the ice yeah and you can look at plus minus and pretty and, and you know if you see that the same guys out on the ice for you know three of the go, three goals and yeah you can, it, it's not that difficult to figure out that the coach is probably not going to be happy about that but you get the sense listening to some of it that there's some sort of friction going on I, I think there's definitely players that just from you know not even just this week, previous shows too, that um, there's some players that aren't meeting Joe's expectations in one way or another, maybe several ways. Right. And it doesn't seem like it's getting better. No, it doesn't. And I, and I talked to, I touched base with a couple people I know up in Houghton, and one of them was very clear to me that he doesn't really look at this as, like obviously Joe's the coach so it it comes down to Joe but at the same time he just he's basically said Joe's appeared to try everything in his playbook to motivate these guys and it's just not getting through for whatever reason whether it's playing time or ice time or benching them or yelling at them I think Jay-Z made some comment about hearing somewhere that like after Friday night's game Joe didn't yell at him he basically didn't say boo and they were kind of spooked by that because it's not normal, right? But sometimes you need to change up normal because they tune it out and maybe that helped. But at the same time, it's not like they they played a great day, game Saturday, but they found a way to win. I did feel like Saturday was better from a perspective of like they were more physical. They didn't take as much crap, but at the same time, it still feels like I do think Joe's right that there, and maybe you missed this segment, but he talked a lot, you know, he talks a lot regularly about hard ice and all that stuff. And it does seem like there's a little bit of an edge missing from this team where they're a little too, like it feels like they're trying to play no check hockey sometimes instead of hitting that guy in the corner. And maybe it's the, they're a little 
afraid of taking the penalty, but with how, and and who knows, like sometimes you have that problem, especially with refs in the WCHA where you feel like, yeah, maybe they're letting the Lakers get away with this, but as soon as we do it, they're going to call something. But I kind of felt like the way that that game was refereed, or the games this weekend were refereed, period, that maybe they should have been a little more physical than they were push back a little bit more when some of their guys were getting pushed around and it and it felt like they, they like I guess I I guess the way I watched the game this weekend after talking to some people up there that maybe I understand why Joe wants a guy like Tanner Edwards cuz he he feels like he needs somebody with that edge that's going to defend his teammates and maybe play on that edge that other teams would call dirty and Joe specifically said during the show and I don't know if it made it in the 22 minute segment that got put published online that he did not think the Lakers played dirty he thought they were playing physical and they were playing on that line but he didn't really think they were crossing it but I don't think tech I think that's probably what's happened in the last month and a half is other teams have realized that the way to take tech out of their game is to be physical because they're not going to get pushed back necessarily as much as you might expect. It seems like it seems like it was just last episode or a couple episodes ago uh, we were comp- complaining or criticizing Joe for calling the team soft. But what you're saying is they the are. exact same thing. This team they is are. soft. Yeah. but and, and that, I think, comes from perspective, from reaching out to other people and talking to them. And I'm not saying, yeah, it, I, I've kind of moved my feeling on it to being there's just something off with this team, and I and I can't put my finger on why it's happening, but I do think they're soft to some extent that they're just not. I I don't know what it is that the, that they can't find that gear, they can't find that edge to play on, and maybe it's something like. Donahue, for example, struggled early on. I feel like he has that edge, but early on he struggled with not crossing that line because he took that dirty hit, right? I forget what game that was, but that was after we started the podcast, right, Mm -hmm. where he cross-checked that guy basically in the head, wasn't it? Yep. And basically lost us not he didn't lose us the game but that penalty basically allowed the other team to score a couple times on the major wasn't that the clarkson game it might have been clarkson scored three on the major yeah so that's that's something where i think donahue has that edge but maybe he's gotten so gun shy with it because when he's because he's struggled to play on edge without crossing it that he's backed off that's the yeah that's the same argument against Tanner Edwards, though, too. Right. Because he hasn't shown the ability to stay on the right side of that edge. Well, let's be honest. I mean, I'd have to look at it more closely, but a lot of his penalties are fighting, which... He, he also has a lot of roughing, a lot of contact to the heads. He has a couple majors contacts to the heads. That's true. You don't get into those fights without instigating a bit at some point, too, right? And, and being in right. those situations to be in those fights... Yeah, you have to be a pretty big douche to get in that many fights. <laughs> John Scott is not a douche. No, he's not. No. He fought like a gentleman, <laughs> and I'll hear nothing else. <laughs> Especially against Ryan Hale. God, I would love to see a videotape of that fight one time. Anything else you guys want to say about Carnival or the state of Michigan Tech right now? I guess the other thing we can talk about that came out at Winter Carnival is that it's now official that the 100th season for Michigan Tech will start with a home se- Well, at least the first home games. I don't know if the season will start, but the first home games will be against Michigan in Houghton. I'll be, I'll be going home for them. Now, I'm going to have to add a sound effect so you can all hear Dustin's eye roll for that. But that, was, that wasn't just an eye roll. That was an entire head roll. Yeah, that's true. It was it was pretty good. I don't All have any I know time for that. Team. Is that if Jerry McGinnis can go out there, give her speech every year without a piece of paper, why can't Blue Key and Honor Society not memorize the same speech they've given since like nineteen eighty seven? 
for the for the queen stuff yeah i know that john mcginnis's proudest thing is that 96 percent of his people have graduated and i didn't even bother to look at that sheet of paper they literally (laughs) give the exact same speech every year why can't the blue key president memorize that thing just once i want to see someone go out there and just give the speech well let's let's call them out on uh well blue key is blue key whatever if you're in Blue Key and you're listening to this podcast, tweet at us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's nothing against this year's, you know, Blue Key president or anything. I don't think I've ever seen a Blue Key president go out there and just give that speech. And literally, it, it is. I, it could be typed on a typewriter like, for all I know. Yeah, you probably and haven't just memorized because it you've heard like, it so many times, right? Right. It's the same speech every single year. Take the time and memorize it for once. Jeez. Over the last month, I did a bunch of stuff about the last decade, and I took the time to create two articles, making a full roster for an all-decade team, and last week, the defense and goalies finally went up, so that's the full team now. What did you guys think of the team I put together? Do you even remember the team? You want me to run through it right now? Not looking at the webpage real quick right now, so I know exactly what we're talking about. No, <laughs> I just pulled it up. I think uh, the goalies are solid. You can't argue with the goalie picks in any way, I don't think. I was just going to argue with the goalie picks. <laughs> you were? Yeah, I think there should have been a third goalie, and it should have been the best actual third-string goalie. <laughs> Not a, a, a guy that only played in like two to five games in his entire career. Well, the answer for best third string goalie is Devin Carroll. No, he played in more than two to two to five games in his career. Yes, but he was a third string goalie for like three seasons. Yeah, but then he wasn't. Okay. I'd go Matt Winches. <laughs> <laughs> that is the correct answer. <laughs> he is the best third string goalie we had i guess if you if you don't count caro because uh it's him or kramer and it's not kramer i mean caro was a borderline starter i mean he was pretty much a split time starter senior year so sure but he he played in three seasons but he was here for five years are we sure that it was the same Caro? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Pietola. You can't confuse them that easily. Right. As I understand it, there's still, gotten, there's still a the lot of... We're so confusing with Pietolas. We have a Pietola for a play-by-play announcer half the time now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> he was a player back when Misfits started. Yep. But yeah, honestly, one of the harder things for me on the whole list, probably the hardest pick on the whole list was what to do for the number two goalie. With beef? Because Jamie Phillips was the obvious choice. And at one point, I had Matt Jerusic there. At another point, I had Angus Redman there. But I had a really, really hard time giving anybody that was one and done any credit on our team. Uh, I think when I did a poll, Jujar Carroll won his poll. But I didn't put him on the team because I couldn't put a kid that left after one year on the team. And his numbers were okay his freshman year, but they weren't like you didn't you know, if you if he came out and did like what Jack Eichel did his freshman year, sure. Put him on the team. But he had like four goals and Yeah, six six goals, nineteen assists. His like points per game total is pretty awesome. He had like the top seven best career as far as like points per right. game. But you you have to But you can't just you can't extrapolate that because no. it goes up and down over a career. Like, how is he going to do when he's not playing on the third line? You know, he's going to, I mean, I think he would have done great. And I can't even imagine how good our our team would have been because he would have been a senior on the team that made the NCAA tournament. Like, can you imagine adding mm-hmm. him to that team? Yeah, his puck control and the way he was able to body people off as a freshman before he even had a chance to, you know, develop and get a little bit bigger in the NCAA. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess my point is I, I I agree with your rationale there, Tim. I think if you're going to put a one a one and done player on a team like this, they need to blow you away with their numbers in that number in that first year. And that's kind of where Angus Redmond was, but was I still close. couldn't do it. He was close. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the reason Kara won that poll is because people weren't thinking about it the same way I was. 
they're thinking about the fact that he's in the NHL right now. He made it. Like, he did well after Tech, whereas Redmond has not. So you can add that to part of the reason that he probably won his poll. But, you know, it was a hard thing to do because you've got Josh Robinson and Kevin Janot played a lot, but they did not win a lot. They're basically the end of the Russell era, the start of the Pearson era. Robinson gets bonus points, though, for going golfing with us in that tournament. <laughs> he does. That was fun. I wish they still did that <laughs> tournament, but uh, the whole the Highland, Highland family has moved away, so they don't do it anymore. Hmm. That's too bad. Yeah. Let's talk about forwards. Forwards. All decade forwards. Uh, so one of the harder things I had to do was try and figure out, without digging through a bajillion box scores, where these guys should line up. Blake Piedla probably spent more time at center throughout his career, but I lined him up at left wing just because he's pretty much good anywhere as a forward, and I needed more left wings, really, because we had a lot of depth at center, honestly. But it's hard to go wrong with the starting lineup, that you know, a top line of Blake Piedla, Tanner Caro, and Alex Patan. Mm, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad to see Carroll made the team. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. I mean, uh, we had, I think I pointed this out in the article, where there's been, we had actually five guys that hit the century mark in that decade. And I think when I did the research, there's only been, there was only three guys in the 2000, the aughts that did it. And that was Murphy, Connor, and Engelhart. I think, and the only ones. And Englehart was right at the very beginning. He didn't play all four in the aughts, right? No, he was part of the night. Like I, late nineties. It wasn't like in a specific right. decade. I was just looking back. Like there, he graduated in that time frame. Yeah, there's yeah. as many players in this decade that hit the century mark as did in like the nineties and two thousands. Yeah, there were a lot of awful players that played for Tech at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a lot of not scoring going on, but there was a lot of getting scored on. <laughs> yeah, we had five players in the decade that were that topped the century mark. We had Alex Batan with 135 points, Tanner Caro with 111, Blake Pietula with 106, Jake Lucini with 104, and David Johnstone with 103. All five of those guys made the team. Uh, the top point getter of anybody that didn't make the team, I believe, was Ryan Fern with 75 points. And I asked around to a lot of people. Like, I talked to a few different people at Tech or used to be at Tech to try and get a feel to see what they all thought of my team. And because uh, uh, one of the, you know, because Ryan Fern has 75 points, he had 35 goals, 40 assists. And for whatever reason, I just did not think he did enough to make that team. And basically everybody I talked to agreed with me. And if you go look at his stats on like elite prospects or whatever, you see that he did not, and it, this did not end in the Russell era, but he was like the classic Russell player where he had a great freshman year. He got better as a sophomore. And then his junior and senior years, he kind of fell off a cliff. Negative 30 his freshman year. Oof. Was he that bad on the plus minus? <laughs> plus minus his freshman year was negative 30, yeah. So anyway, Ryan Fern had, yeah, 21 points his freshman year, 24 his sophomore year, 20 his junior year, and 10 his senior year. And and I think Dustin and I, way back when he came, were all excited because he played at Hill Murray. Good prospect. Put up great numbers at Green Bay in the USHL and then he kind of just sputtered and never really found his effectiveness for tech. And I don't think he was really somebody that uh, Mel really got out of what he was probably hoping, but it you know, he was a Russell recruit and here we are talking about the all decade team. And I found a way to go negative with that too. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I guess, you know, we all, you all, well, not all of you, but most of you probably read the article, saw the team, and it's all focused on the players that did make it. So kind of a little different tack here was to kind of talk about who didn't. And you go to defense, and 
it was pretty obvious to me who should make the team and who should like that was probably the easiest position to do i don't know what you guys thought of that like there can you think of a name like is there a single name that comes to mind that i should have put on the team that i didn't Mm, i don't think so no i think the extra the extra skater gave you the perfect uh opportunity to put uh, Leibinger in there you know given that he was dn forward he fits perfectly for for that you know spot yeah i i couldn't have asked for a better player to put in that position with his flexibility to play elsewhere and basically there are four other guys that you could consider for the team but i just don't think they meet the hurdle compared to the other six and that's or seven, if you count Liebinger, that's Burks, Dane Burks, uh, Seamus Donahue, Riley Sweeney, and Darren Cousins. Where do we need to go now? Let's see. All right, let's play my game. All right, game night. All right, I'll, everybody. I'll find some cool music to lay over this. Yeah. All right, go for it, Dustin. All right, everybody. This is something that I, we might be doing as a reoccurring thing. And since everybody's really sad because the results aren't what we want, we're going to have fun and play a game today. It's going to be a trivia-type game. And while I have both of you still here, because at some point we're going to have to cut Rob off so he doesn't hear Tim's answers, the way that this is going to work is I have three lists of their teams and players. Do I need pen Um, and paper? No. And I'm going to give you one minute to name as many on the list as you can. Um, There are 11 in this category. Okay. Name the players currently on Michigan Tech's roster that hail from the state of Michigan. Crespi. Datama. Piedela. Piedela. Why am I drawing a blank on the... Killinan. How many do I have? You have five. Why am I drawing blanks on this? I should be better at this. That's what makes it fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, the hardest part is that, you know, you just go down the roster otherwise, wouldn't you? If you, anyway. Because I'm struggling because most of the guys that are coming to mind are Wisconsin kids. Like, you know, Bliss is from Wisconsin. Right. Uh, Brossman is too. Ten seconds left. Um, Who else am I missing? I got Crespi. Missyak? That's it, just in time. Okay. So you got six. All right, I'm pretty proud of that. All right, Rob. Can you hear us? Yep. All right, here we go. Okay, Rob. There are 11 in this category. This one is Michigan Tech-specific. Name the players on Michigan Tech's, currently on Michigan Tech's roster, that hail from the state of Michigan. From Michigan? Uh, The Pietola brothers, to get two right away just for doing that. Um, Hallinan's from downstate. Incorrect. You're done. <laughs> oh no, he's been a he's Delano, isn't he? Shoot. <laughs> yep. I was just going with the uh, Finnish sounding names. <laughs> Son of a gun. All right. the The whole list is Chris Leip, Brendan Datama, Tommy Peratino, Jake Crespi, Logan Piedela. Justin Misiak, Todd Killinen, Raymond Bryce, Marcus Russell, Blake Piedela, and Robbie Baydoun. I feel the dumbest about not getting Bryce. I'm yeah, glad, Bryce that, I'm glad we both missed that one then. <laughs> <laughs> but I got but I got Killinen, Misiak, Crespi, yep. and the Piedela brothers. And da- you got Datama too. Oh, and Datama. Yeah. Yep. So I did pretty good. Yep. Tim won round two. I'm All not right. surprised I'm getting trounced here. You got one more? Yeah, one more. Last category. Goodbye, Rob. All right. There are eight in this category. Okay. This is also Michigan Tech specific. Okay. Name the former Michigan Tech players that have played in the NHL and are still active players. These are players that are currently in the AHL and the NHL. Blake Piedela, Jujar Kara, Tanner Caro, Phoenix Copley. Can't get one wrong. They're currently in pro- t- 
top two division pro hockey in the U.S. Yes. Or, or Canada. And have played an NHL game. Mitch Ranke, Matt Roy. How many I got? Six? You have six. And there's two left. Two left. I don't think he's high enough. He's definitely not high enough. Uh, how much time I got left? 20 seconds. I'll take a guess that Dane Burks is high enough? Nope. Okay. That I, I was kind of out of ideas there. So. All right. All right. All right, Rob, last question. I feel bad each time you take a while and then it doesn't come back for a while. I know I'm going to not uh, be well, able to do Well, he takes his time. He I ta- take my full minute. Yeah. Oh, sure. And, and then yeah. one, once I start getting stumped, then I take my time to like, all right, I'll take a guess now because I have time. Okay. Eight of them in this category, Rob. Name the former Michigan Tech players that have played in the NHL and are still active players. These players are currently in the AHL or the NHL. Okay, so we're talking players that are still active in either of those two? Yes. Okay. And, and played in the NHL and at some point. And have played in at least one NHL game. And I have played in at least one NHL game. Okay. Yes. Um, Jujar Kara. Uh, Roy. And they have to still be in the AHL. They haven't gone somewhere else, right? Yep, they're currently in the AHL or NHL. Uh, Lesperance has played up. Carroll's played up a few. Pietola's played up a couple, I think, right? Still going. Ten seconds. I feel like I'm missing some defensemen. Time. Yep. Ah. You got one I didn't, though. You got Lesperance. Yeah, so Tim got six and Rob got five. Yeah. Ooh, I went again. <laughs> so next time. Both I... of you missed Chris Connor. Oh. Ah, shoot. He's been in the AHL for so damn long, I forgot. He's still playing. Yeah, you're right. That's it. So that's the one we missed, Chris Connor. Who else did I miss then? You missed uh, Mitch Ranke and Phoenix Copley. But let's just do a fair state series. There's no questions, and then we wrap up. That's pretty much it. So, And usually our previews are not very long because that's not really what we're here for. It's just something to like include. So we split in Houghton not long ago against these guys. Um... What have they done since? They got swept by Northern. I've got to be honest, guys. I'm I'm still not very optimistic. I said <laughs> it last week too, and not a lot has changed. I mean, it, it, we we talked about it in recapping the last series. Something isn't right. Something isn't there. Uh, and who knows what it was going to take to fix it? I mean. But until it is it is addressed and it is fixed, I don't have a lot of confidence that they're going to do much better than eke out splits every once in a while. I think Old Dog said it best in our Slack chat, and he brought it up, and I've really kind of taken it to heart that something about this team, you know, everybody likes to win, but there's something about this team that they don't hate losing enough to have that drive to put them over the top on this stuff. Like, they, they're... There's too much complacency somewhere. I don't know what's causing it. I don't really know if it's like it does land at the feet of the coach that he's not getting that. But I ultimately don't really know if it's his fault or if there's just something off with this team. And maybe it goes back to things like like Ray Bryce not playing every game as captain. That there's just weird things where they've tuned him out because he's done some interesting things over the last couple of years. But he needs to win more games here. And, you know, you've been scared that, like, after Friday night that they're not going to win again and then they find a way to win Saturday. You know, obviously anything can happen in the, in a rivalry game, but they don't beat Ferris one time. I don't know how they can come home or go home and home with Northern and, and get a win. I mean, obviously they can, but there's no reason they shouldn't be getting points at Ferris this year. 
Like, I wouldn't say that four years ago, but... Well, I would because you don't expect to ever get swept. The goal is to split on the road. But against a team like Ferris, in the situation they're in, there's zero reason for us to get swept down there. Well, I just hope that Datama doesn't get a concussion when he hits his head on the rafters. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys hear that question on the show today? Or did that get cut out where the guy asked if you could actually go like Hoosier style on the rink down there and measure it to see if it's actually 200 feet? (laughs) No, I did not hear that. I don't think, the that, proper I think that was cut Did that off. get cut? So that yeah. was one of my favorite questions where the guy was like, can you actually go down to the rink before the practice and take a tape measure and measure it out and see if it actually is NHL size or not? And Joe was kind of laughing about it. Um, I found it kind of funny because it would be kind of interesting for somebody to actually try and go verify whether or not it actually is that big. Because can't you use the measurement app on your iPhone somehow and do that? Well, maybe. I don't know. You think? I don't know. It looks like you can walk from side to side or from end to end looking at the pictures I've seen. So maybe I can maybe I can give that a shot on uh, next week. Are you going? Yeah, my brother and I are going to drive over. Okay. We're going to call it Chasing McNaughton Podcast Investigates. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's enough talk about that series. What do you guys think is going to happen in that series? I'm really struggling to be optimistic and say we get our crap together because that's what I said last week. And I said that about Carnival Weekend even. Come to the dark happen. side. So, <laughs> and I'm going in person, so I really don't want to go full Dustin and say we get swept. But I, 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 I don't know. I think I think we get a split. I'm going to go with the split as well. Until I see it, I don't have faith that they can put together enough good hockey to win two games. I'm going to say Ferris wins one and an NCAA tie with Tech winning in super time. Hmm. That'd be a first You just want to force me to sit through one of those crap periods <laughs> of stuff. Uh, yep, you got me. <laughs> Let's see. We actually have two good series in the rest of the league to talk about this weekend. Bemidji State is at Northern. Bowling Green is at Alaska. And then, you know, we could always talk about the last non-conference series of the year, Alaska Anchorage traveling to Arizona. Watch, <laughs> watch them go in and, and pairwise bomb them. Yeah. So what do you guys think of Bemidji State at Northern? This is kind of the last shot for Northern to take a, get their chance at the number two spot. They've got to basically sweep to have a it, shot at two. This should be a pretty good series, I think. The, the, On, pretty even, I and it's so. in Northern. Like I think Northern's that, also got pairwise implications, right? I and mean, they're ahead of Bemidji and pairwise right now, aren't they? No, Bemidji's Either all those, the way up to seventeenth now. Are they now? Okay, and so Northern's it's, it's important not just for league yeah, standings. Bemidji's but, in the range where they could get two and at large. If you know, they they got a series with Mankato coming up too. They can get a lot of pairwise equity. Potentially. Yeah, Bemidji's, Bemidji's got a chance to make a decent pairwise run if they can finish out strong. Yep. I'll, I'm going to go first, and I am going to say straight up split. Um, I think it's going to be a really good series, and it, it's going to end up pretty even, and I think split is the way to go. Rob? Where are those games at? They're in, they're in, Marquette. They're in Marquette, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think man, as much as I'd love to see Bemidji win two just to see them finish strong for the chance of getting a a second non-auto bid in, because that's the only way I think it's going to happen, right? We don't give enough pairwise equity to, to you know to to Northern coming against us. So I, I'm I'd like to see Bemidji sweep, and I'm just going to ask for it because that's what I want. Okay. So I just did the pairwise calculator. If Bemidji State sweeps in the abstract of those being the only games that happen, Bemidji climbs all the way to 12. Yeah, go Bemidji. Go Beavers. And if Northern sweeps, Northern only goes to 17 and Bemidji falls to 22. So, yeah. Um, For WCHA 6, I say go Beavers. Yeah. So you called the the split? As well? I w- no, I want a I want a beaver sweep. Beaver sweep. 
Well, then I'll just have fun, and I'm going to go with the northern sweep since they're at home, and we'll go, we'll cover all three, and then, you know, I can always be completely, totally wrong. Now, the other series is Bowling Green at Alaska, and this kind of has some implications, obviously very limited ones, because Michigan Tech needs to actually sweep for it to matter, but this series has implications on where Tech finishes in many respects, because if either team sweeps, it basically, if either team, if Alaska sweeps, it basically makes it a lot easier for Tech to finish fifth, not that we necessarily want to, but, you know, if something like um, Northern getting swept by Missy State, there's always the possibility that we finish fifth and Northern finishes fourth and Alaska actually finishes third. Um, So the Bowling Green Alaska series is really one of the bigger series to help determine the four, five, six standings. Um, so what do you guys think? I don't think there's any, I mean, either, a sweep either way there is not good for us really, right? Well, a sweep I mean, either way is, is. Um, I mean, if Bowling Green sweep, yeah, it's really not because Bowling Green doesn't play anybody else after this, so that basically guarantees they're jumping us. In my in my eyes, anyway, because I think Bowling Green has hey, not everybody can split with Huntsville. <laughs> True, most of them sweep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bowling Green after this weekend against Alaska hosts Ferris and then goes to Huntsville. So they sweep Alaska somehow. They're basically in a really good shape to definitely leapfrog us with the extra games next weekend against Ferris and then potentially still have a shot at home ice well i mean ferris can be playing for against bowling green and that series could be playing for their actual staying alive for playoffs too depending on how things go so that's true you're up first tim i'm up first i will take a split Uh, i am going to say a fairbanks sweep i'm i'm gonna agree with dustin i think i think fairbanks sweeps so we're all done on that and I think we're done because nobody really wants to talk about Anchorage at Arizona State. I said I would just love to see a pairwise bomb. That's the only thing I'd like to see out of that weekend. Uh, well, I would love to see Anchorage find a way to split just to screw up Arizona State's chances of making the tournament. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash Guide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including an unpublished episode zero and extended versions of all of our other podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit your questions through our email address, ChasingMac at TechHockeyGuide.com, or by replying to our tweet, Facebook post relating to questions. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. Please check out Jonathan Zameda's series previews every Friday, Mike Antleitner's Old Dog in Texas column every Wednesday. Plus, for more details on this, check out Rob's liner notes every Thursday for the podcast. You can find all this and more at techhockeyguide.com. Thanks to our newest patrons, Jay Zukowski and Nick Holmes, plus Marvin Wilson for his upgrade to gold level. We really appreciate the commitment to the podcast. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezen, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. Sniffed through 50 hour work week like a gram Drunken and dismayed
Basic. 